Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. The Lonely Welcome, written by Alt Cipher. The fleet dropped out of FTL, a light second from the planet. Ahead was a bright blue planet with the swirling white clouds floating above it. The land was shades of green and brown across several massive continents, and poles were capped in brilliant white and single moon, hugged by the planet's gravity sailed on through the night. Scanner officer, the overmaster, Puck asked, What do we see? Nothing interesting, overmaster. Surface is mostly water. Many hives across the surface. No communications. No signs of intelligent life. The scanner officer said, Well, landmaster could tell, is this the world you planned on invading? An empty world with the outskirts of the galaxy, and the overmaster's cruel voice creaked. The coordinates are correct, Overmaster. The hub directed our fates and they have ordered us here, Landmaster Catal said. Ah, the hub, Overmaster Pike said. They never leave their citadel, yet think to command us as far reaches of eternity. You are my equal, Landmaster, so I cannot order you to ignore your orders, but I would counsel a tactical re-evaluation. The Landmaster pivoted the multi-jointed neck to better look at the Overmaster. No, he cannot order me. I shall take a launch for a closer look. The invasion orders told of a massive civilization that had barely begun to leave the homeworld and only recently even discovered other civilizations. Billions of beings do not vanish. The overmaster squinted with one good eye stalk and the landmaster. You think of the Wacker? The landmaster turned back to a forward hologram. Not as such, the Wacker lived in the entire lives underground and our senses could not penetrate to see them. That is why Landmaster Hanol was defeated and why we still study his grand failure. But this species is a surface dweller. They live in sunlight, not in darkness. Overmaster Puck nodded. Shipwright prepared to launch the Landmaster and his team. They are going down to take a closer look. Sir, the scanner officer resqueeled. In the main hologram display, the blue planet turned and a giant fire was raging across the largest continent in view. The fire was several hundred kilometers long along the equator and at least twenty kilometers wide. As the line grew in length, racing across the face of the continent far faster than any fire could naturally, it blossomed into a massive circle. The ending circle was at least a hundred kilometers wide and burned with a brilliant blue light. The orange of the light in the line was fading gradually as the blue light on the circle blazed away. An invitation, Overmaster Puck asked. Or a trap, Landmaster Catal said. Neither way, we must investigate. I was seen still take the launch, but now with at least we know where to go. An hour later, a small ship detached from the massive carrier and fell away. It plunged through the atmosphere and with the trail of burning plasma in its wake. The pilot slewed the ship around and made much towards the blue circle, which had dwindled to being barely noticeable every time had it taken it to launch. The shuttle settled down on bare dirt as the landing struts spit into the turned soil. 
The hatch depressurized and popped open, and a dozen trained soldiers spilled out and secured the landing zone. Landmaster Catal strode out of the shuttle when they gave all the all clear. Ahead of him was a brightly colored piece of cloth held aloft on a spread out on a metal pole. Under this covering was some manner of lounger and one of the beings of this planet. There was an additional assortment of pieces of material scattered about it. Evening, the bean shouted across the distance between them. And Master Catal waited for the translator to spin up and explain the crude language. Who are you? And Master Catal demanded. Me? I'm Paul, the being said. The painfully bright fabrics and this thing had draped around itself was distracting the landmaster. Darkened lenses covered what Katal believed with the creature's eyes. Paul, Landmaster Katal said. Very well, I am Landmaster Katal, here to conquer this pitiful excuse of a planet. My masters believe that you may be some of use to our empire, though I can scarcely see how. Empire, huh? Paul said. Well, that's, um, something. But, uh, we're gonna pass. Pass? What do you mean? Landmaster Katal said. We're going to pass. We appreciate your offer, but we're not really interested in being part of the Empire. Not, listen, Paul, this is not a choice that you make. It is an inevitable fact of life. We will conquer you, and you will serve our Empire in whatever manner the hub decrees, Landmaster Catal said. Ah, that's not going to work for us. Thanks for stopping by, though, Paul said. He turned to walk back to the beach chair under the umbrella, his college-like Hawaiian shirt flapping in the gentle breeze. Landmaster Catal looked at the soldiers around him, and embarrassment well up as deep inside of him. You are conquered, Landmaster Catal roared. Paul plopped down into the beach chair and looked up at the invading aliens. Okay, then, he said. What does that mean? Is this some kind of trick? Landmaster Catal looked up to Paul with slitted eyes. Nope, there's no trick. Okay, you invaded Earth. Bravo! Good for you. You've managed to take over a planet with no inhabitants, Paul said. Wait, no inhabitants? There were billions of your people here. We will conquer them and control failed civilization, Landmaster Catal said. There's nobody to conquer, Sport. Just me. And I'm the only one here. I'm supposed to turn out the lights when I leave and make sure that we didn't leave the stove on, Paul said. Impossible. Your people don't have teleportation technology or galactic reach. There are billions of you miserable creatures here, and we will destroy all opposition you present. Man, you're not just getting it. We split, we're gone, we stopped the mail and didn't leave a forwarding address. The joint is empty, Paul said. He sighed as he stared at the aliens. He sat up and reached the other cooler next to him in his chair. As his hand went into the cooler, the alien soldier snapped the weapons up and took it aim. Easy there, dirty dozen, Paul said. This is a Budweiser, not a gun, he said as he pulled a beer from the cooler. He popped the top and with a cool chst and took a long drink. I didn't know how long you jerks would take, he said, wiping his mouth, and I'm not sitting in the middle of Africa without the drink. Landmaster Catal could feel his pulse in his ears. The thriving beat, beat, beat made his vision blur. Insolent vermin, Landmaster Catal said. I have conquered a dozen worlds, each ten times as powerful as this heap. I have burned entire civilizations to cinders when they oppose me. I have destroyed the blah, 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 Paul said. Yeah, 
We heard about you. The Tkex told us, Hey guys, there's some intergalactic jackasses heading your way. So we knew you were coming. It took some doing, but we decided to split. The Tkex? Spineless cowards, we will deal with them once your people are subjugated. That's where I'm going to have to disagree with you, chief, Paul said. First, you're not going to do going after the Tkex. Second, you're not going to subjugate us. You think that you can stand against our might? The astonishment in the Landmaster Gattel's voice was evident even through the translator. A few of the soldiers coughed and grinding laugh. So, a little story. I'm from a place called America. We were a colony of a much stronger empire called Britain when we first started out. We wanted to split off from them, and they weren't so hot on that idea. They sent their army, best in the world at the time, and we kicked their rears. See, they were just thinking about the armies and the battle lines and the honor and the rules. We were thinking about killing. We had a wildly unprofessional army, little more than armed thugs actually, and we cheated. We'd hide, we'd ambush, we'd sneak up on them while they were sleeping. All sorts of ungentlemanly tactics. And they lost. Of course, a couple hundred years later, we went to take the place called Vietnam. We were the best army in the world at the time, and they had nothing. So they hid, they ambushed, they snuck up on us while we were sleeping. We lost. I guess what I'm trying to say is yeah. You've got the best army in the galaxy, but we're going to cheat. We took our whole population and left our home world. There's nobody here but me. You want Earth? Fine. It's yours. Congratulations, you've got Earth. But humanity isn't coming with you. We turned our entire civilization nomadic in a couple of years. We've practiced guerrilla warfare since we walked upright. We're not in this fight, we're in this to kill. We don't want glory or honor, and we want heads and blood. And here's the best part. No matter how many of us you kill, we'll just keep coming. We'll use the deaths to fuel our anger. We'll sing songs about how our brave heroes died standing up to you, sons of witches. We'll tell stories about heroic sacrifice in the face of overwhelming odds. And we'll just keep coming. You'll have to supply convoys get wiped out by a rogue comet. You'll have a colony with mysterious epidemic. You'll have a military installation taken out by a suicide bomber. You'll have generals wake up with their throats cut. You'll have government officials disappear in the night. You'll have a wave of random crime break out in your homeworld. And we'll just keep coming. So, you've got Earth. Way to go. But you also have a shadow stalking you. You need to decide how much good night's sleep that means to you. Oh, sure, missing one night isn't anything. A second night hurts a little more. A third night gets to you. Now imagine a lifetime of watching over your shoulder, checking under the bed, jumping at every noise you hear. Imagine never knowing who's next, never knowing if it's you or the guy next to you. Now imagine that across your entire population. How long is your empire going to last under the strain like that? How long can you keep those other civilians under your thumb when your civilization is tearing itself apart? Hell, we don't even need to take that many of you, just a few every now and then, and remind you that we're still out here. And Master Kettle recoiled. He looked at the guards. The guards swept the area with their eyes. Paul took one long draft of his beer, crushed it, and was done. He looked at Landmaster Kettle's eyes and said, Be seeing you. 
Paul's umbrella with a chair and all the material around him evaporated in a shower of sparkling light, leaving the alien standing alone in a deserted world in an indifferent universe. End of story. Story number two. You find an antique gold compass with the words moral compass. It will automatically point out the most morally good person within a hundred meter radius. You are on a jury one day, and when you look at the compass, it points to the convicted serial killer, written by Alex Sylvian. Everyone came out of the jury's chamber for sentencing. Guilty, of course, we didn't have much of a choice. The evidence mounted against him was overwhelming. I was actually annoyed that I had to take time off work to read juries for such a simple case. Jay Kleiner was a murderer of the lowest order. A murderer of children, and of policemen, and of doctors, and golden trifecta. I was disgusted just watching him, seeming so smug and cheerful. So why was my compass saying that this was the most decent human being in the room? The compass had been a gift from my grandmother. She had given it to me just before she was executed. She had said, Isaac, this compass shows who is the best person is around you. Always do your best to associate with those people. That hadn't been hard since it almost always pointed at me. Occasionally it moved and I would try to find out who it was, but in recent years it had only pointed at me. Don't know if that made me feel good or nervous and how it was pointing at a murderer. Why? Was it broken? The judge passed down the verdict. For your crimes, you are sentenced to death by lethal injection. The sentence is to be carried out immediately. May God have mercy on your soul. Kleiner didn't flinch. He had to have known that this was coming. He was guilty. They were all guilty. He just smirked and said, My soul doesn't need any mercy. The hooded man entered the room with a needle, but first the forgiver came forward. As for protocol VI, he placed the camera in front of Kleiner and said loudly, Do you, Jay Kleiner, regret your crime? No. Then you are forget what? Someone behind me gasped. If you didn't play this part right, then they would have taken out in your family. But he was just keeping right on talking to the crowd. Maybe he just doesn't care anymore. He didn't bother talking to the camera. Everyone knew the footage would later be edited for good of the people. He spoke to us. My compass went wild. I have not committed a crime. I have nothing to apologize for. Those people had it coming. Would have been a nice enough if you allowed me to defend myself before I was pronounced guilty, though. A hushed whisper started spreading through the courtroom. The judge shouted, Silence, Mr. Kleiner. The grin wouldn't let up. Or what? You'll hold me in contempt. I'm not going to apologize for destroying your sick euthanization den and slaughtering your mad scientists. How long did you think people would stand idly by? Forever. Not gonna happen. Pandemonium erupted. The judge pounded his gavel to no avail, then shouted, Carry out the execution, now. He seemed panicked. He probably was. Even the judge could wake up one night with a knock on the door and never be seen again. Kleiner was grabbed up by Birdie's soldiers. He didn't resist. He was just kept talking, raising the voice to shout, to be heard above the hubbub. I do not kill those children. I weep for the ones that I wasn't able to save. I weep because you killed them, but most of them got away. They're with my people right now, and you'll never find them. Not until the fall of this tyrannical empire. Down with the Gravian Empire, and up with the revolution. 
The cry died on his lips. The executioner had just injected him with 500 milligrams of hydrogen cyanide that was already coursing through his body. But somehow, he found the strength to utter the last sentence. Someone will always do the right thing. No more. He was silent. The compass slowly turned back around to point at me. And I finally knew what that meant. I joined the revolution the very next day. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.